Read This, Read That. I'm Jackie Reed. I'm Joy Ann Reed. How are you, cousin? Good. Life Just trying to get, get my uh, little studio set up. I'm using my sister's iPad again. Um, last time I was in a hotel room, and so I was sitting on the floor. This time, <laughs> you know, I'm just moving around a little bit, but I think this will work. I, I think, think it's going to work. Yeah. How's so life in Atlanta? How you doing? Uh, uh, girl, I'm, I'm hectic. Uh, Fridays are generally my more hectic, my most hectic day. Uh-huh. I have to exercise, which I hate. Um, Is that the only day you exercise? I exercise Tuesdays and Fridays with jazz, which she loves and I hate. Um, and then I have um, not only the podcast, but my multiple meetings. And now I have an extra meeting added um, after this. So today is very hectic. And then I have a dinner later tonight. So I'm tired. I got tired as soon as I got my schedule for the morning and I saw it. I was already tired. So I'm tired. I'm tired <laughs> for you. Wait, what's the dinner? Tell me that. Let's see what we can cross out. Well, the dinner, we, no, the dinner is actually nice. It's just some, some, some DC Capitol Hill friends. We're just calling to sort of kiki uh, about all the political goings on that are happening uh, around us. So I would just leave it at that. <laughs> it's a I kiki. love it. You're, you're so a kiki. Like you have time for it, kiki. I, girl. <laughs> Woo. Well, well uh, let me hear your wind down, my love, because I know we have a little shorter time today. So tell me your wind down. I cannot wait to hear what it is. Okay, so let me start with my wind down. Let me tell you, when you were in Atlanta, all things Pinky Cole, aka Slutty Vegan, this city is all about her. I had, um, I hung out with her yesterday. You know, she and I go back a little bit. I interviewed her right at the start of the whole Slutty Vegan thing before it really mm-hmm. blew up. Yeah. I had her on my segment of Tom Joyner. She's also my sorority sister, and she also is a graduate of Clarkland University. Okay. So we have a lot in common. <clears throat> we had a nice meeting yesterday. I went over to her offices across the street from one of her <laughs> stores, her restaurant. When I say to you, you know, she shared a lot with me about what's to come. This woman is just amazing. The way that her mind works, the way that she has set up her business, the connections she has, the things that she has her hands in, it, it is mind blowing. It is just mind blowing. And I uh, and I, I definitely had one of her. I had her newest her newest sandwich, which is a, a fried vegan like a vegan chicken sandwich, which was delicious. There's a pineapple, a slice of pineapple on there. I don't know why, but it worked. Typically, I'm like, I don't like pineapple in savory things. But when I tell you, so you don't works, like pineapple on a um, like on no, pi- on a pizza no, or, sli- or like no, on a burger. That that is foreign to me. That makes no sense. It's like aliens landed and said, "Here is the food from our planet: <laughs> pizza or pineapple in spaghetti or pineapple in tacos." Spaghetti. With, yeah, yeah, I don't know about I mean, that. It's just like, what's the difference between spaghetti and pizza? Nothing. It's like huge <laughs> They're difference. both Italian. Huge. No, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. It's both tomato sauce. You know what I'm saying? It makes no sense. Yeah. To me, but anyway, it worked on the sandwich. So I had that. I had her pink lemonade. This woman is just phenomenal. Of course, we're going to have her on this podcast. But when I say just keep watching, the things that she has coming up are will just blow your mind. Will blow your mind. But she is so well, well respected um, as a business owner, you know, living here in Atlanta. Uh, she's incredible. She's just incredible. And when you come to Atlanta, support the sister. She gives a lot of money back to the community. You know, as you know, too, all too well, she paid for, um, you know, I don't know if it was student loans or tuition for a whole group of students from Clark Atlanta University. She, she really gives back to the community. I met a lot of her team, her staff. It, it, it is amazing the things that this woman does. But I learned so Fabulous. much. Yeah, I learned so much from her just sitting with her um, and just kind of hanging out with her for the day. It really was a great thing. So fabulous. I, my, fabulous. That is my wind down. I was hanging down. I was solidified. You was solidified. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to add to your wind down. Let me show you the pictures. I told you I was going to make this bad gal vegan um, scrimp pasta. Oh, I love anything so, vegan. Okay, so here I'm. A, I don't know if I can figure out how to get into the camera. Yeah, right. yeah, no, so I see it. I see here it, it is in the pot. 
Okay, there it is in the pot. Hold on, let me uh-huh. see if I can get one when I served it in my... There it is, my presentation. When I put it in my little, with my little lettuce, I, I served it on top of a nice, like, bed of uh, spinach. And it's it's basically um, Baguio vegan pe- spicy pesto pasta. Ooh, and so how was it? It's, oh, it was delicious. I made, first of all, I over, you know, I always over make pasta. The problem with pasta is that it, it gets big, right? So I had two kinds <laughs> of pasta in here. I had regular pasta and then I had this lentil, red lentil pasta. And I only had a little red lentil pasta left. So I was like, let me just mix them together. And then, of course, it blew up giant. So I had ordered two little, you know, swatches of Baguio vegan scrim. I had to use both of them because it was too much pasta. And so I ended up making enough food for like three days. So I've been eating it. I ate it for like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Like that was my dinner for three nights. But it was really good. Jason even tried it. It was really spicy. The the pesto sauce that she makes, the pesto is also from Baguio vegan. And mm-hmm. it is so good. When I tell you, I, I poured the whole bottle because, you know, I don't know how to measure. So I literally just dumped <laughs> the whole bottle of pesto because it was so much pasta. And so it's this giant b- bowl of a pot of, you know, and what I like about it, because even when she came to the podcast, when we had her on, you know, you know me, I, I don't like shrimp, but it's not that I don't like the taste of shrimp. I used to love coconut shrimp. What don't you like? Because it was covered in coconut and you couldn't see what it was. I like the taste of it. I'm disgusted by the idea of it because it looks like a bug. To me, a shrimp looks just like a bug to me. And it, it is, you know, they call it a sea bug, a sea cockroach. And I just, the, the thought of it going in my mouth and into my stomach makes me sick. So even though I do like the taste once I get it in, I don't like the idea. So scrimp, this is the one thing where you are going to 100% sell me on the vegan life. Because I will not eat shrimp, but I will eat scrimp. It tastes exactly the same, but it has no tail. It wasn't floating around on a, you know, on the on the on the sea floor, nasty. It didn't have no nasty little shell on it. it it's not. It wasn't alive. I, I mean, the, this is the thing that made me a vegetarian, right? Is that I like chicken, but I don't want to see a chicken, and then clean a chicken. It looked like you know. Remember, I told you I went vegetarian because I had to clean the chicken at home. And my mom said, have the chicken clean by the time I get home. And I'm like, okay, mom. I picked it up and I started making it dance because it was like a chicken. It had two little arms. And then I was like kind of grossed out. I was like, this looks like a baby. And then I was a vegan for like three years. <laughs> so, I mean, a vegetarian, a vegetarian. Just before veganism was real. So, so I am, I'm an open to not eating meat because I am kind of repulsed by the idea of eating a cow. Like I'm, I'm repulsed by the idea of eating a living thing. It's just that, you know, some things I just like the taste of them. So I am sold on scrimp. So Baguio Vegan, you have sold me. Your scrimp is the only thing I will eat that is like a shrimp. (laughs) (laughs) You're like... I'm going to order it regularly so I can make sure I have my scrimp because I like my scrimp. It tastes really good. I don't want to know how it's made. You know what I mean? It's like, don't tell me. I don't want to know nothing. I don't want to know... I don't want to know how I got this sweater. I don't know about the working conditions. I just want the sweater. <laughs> I just want the sweater. No, I'm a terrible person because I literally am like, like I wouldn't eat a dog, right? But if somebody served somebody some dog meat, they probably eat it and be like, oh, this is good. You wouldn't know what it was. But if you knew you it was a dog, know. suddenly you wouldn't want to eat it, right? And like, if you ever see a cow, they're kind of cute. And you know, then you're thinking, I don't really want to eat that, you know? So I'm good with not eating red meat because I'm like, a cow kind of, you know, kind of looks like a pet. I don't want to eat that. It's kind of like a big dog. You know, a chicken looks kind of like a baby. <laughs> I don't eat that. So, uh, so like, that's the, the thing with veganism is that, like, if you're a person that, like me, that really doesn't like the idea of eating meat, all you need is a substitution that tastes similar. So yes, I'll eat the burgers because they taste the same. It's not like I'm missing out because, damn it, right. I didn't get to kill a cow to eat this cheeseburger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Damn it, a cow needed to die for me to really enjoy this. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> If it tastes the same, I'm going to eat it. So I like those. What is it? What is the bur- impossible burgers? Impossible, impossible burger tastes the same to me. Burgers. It ain't no different to me. So I'm like, I, I can see I, I can go. Be- so that's my only thing. It's like some of the stuff don't taste good. Like I've tried the um, I also ordered some bacon, some vegan bacon. Girl, that was nasty. I was like, that ain't bacon. So they didn't well, fool listen. me with the bacon. Well, listen, there are so many options out there, just like you may go to a restaurant and order spaghetti, let's say, for example, with meat in it, whatever, regular spaghetti, non-vegan. 
um, spaghetti, you may taste it. And based on how the chef cooked it, it may right. not be for your It may liking. not be for you. Right. Exactly. You, that's yeah. the same thing with veganism. There are so like there are countless brands of, you know, imitation meat or or scramp or chicken or hot dogs or cheese like or milk. There's so many options out there. Right. That if you really want to just be open to saying, you know what? This bacon wasn't good, but it doesn't mean that there's no good there is bacon. No, right. And I'll try another one, right? Because like the ones right. that I've had bad luck with is pizza. I've never been able to get a good vegan pizza. Oh, I um, got a good one for you. I, I think it's, uh, it's uh, was it at Target? Holly, where we get that pizza? At Kroger's? Kroger. At Kroger. Uh, it's my sister. <laughs> what I love about this podcast is, is it's, like, it's like being at your grandma's house. Baby, where we get that? Where we went over here? Got the thing. That, that's Jackie Reed. Jackie Reed, she's she like a young old I'm person. Very Holly, 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 where we get that? Where we get that good PJ that I like before? Where was it at? And, and Holly, it's like, Holly, baby, no, baby, take your clothes out the washing machine and put them in the dryer. You know, I gotta go pick up mama when I finish with this podcast with Joanne. How many times I gotta put your clothes in the dryer? <laughs> Now, Joanne, as I was saying, do that bitch in the sink. You know I'm doing a podcast. You think I'm gonna come over here and watch that bad bitches? Holly, somebody go over there and do that bad bitches. I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> Back to the podcast, everyone. Right. No, but then get mad with anybody else. So you gonna run a garbage disposal while you saw I'm sitting here doing a podcast, and you gonna run a garbage disposal? You're not just gonna interrupt what I'm doing here. Turn that off. You make me sick, girl. You make be- me sick, <laughs> and then it get all on stays my in. And the key is that it all stays in in the end. <laughs> Keep it That's all why in. our edits are easy. <laughs> it's just, it's just real life. No, but <clears throat> just like when I went to Slutty Vegan, I had not had, I had the burger before, but I hadn't had her fried chicken sandwich. One of my favorite things before I became vegan was a fried chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A, mm-hmm. Wendy's, you know, everybody, I would love a really well done, um, not in the temperature that it was cooked, but well made. Right. Um, uh, chicken sandwich, you know, fried chicken sandwich, you know, Chick-fil-A, that was my joint. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, but it turned out but, they were evil though. They, they mean well, people. I mean, we that, I've been eating it since I was a kid. So yeah, yeah, before we found out they were evil, but I'm saying I grew up on that. That was yeah. like my favorite chicken sandwich. When I tasted this chicken sandwich yesterday at Slutty Vegan, listen to me. Game. Ch- it was, it was so big and it had all this sauce on it. I know I probably, it was probably like, had to be about 1,500 calories. Had to be about 1,500 calories. That's the, okay, see, now you have hit on the other issue with veganism. Do not think that it will make you lose weight because remember when no. I did my vegan January, girl, what did I do? I gained weight because it's a lot of carbohydrates. But so do but do you beware. know what? No, no, Let, let's correct that. Eating vegan does not make you gain weight. Eating unhealthy vegan. If I ate slutty vegan every day, it would be like going to McDonald's every day. You're not going to eat a Big Mac every day and think you're going to lose weight right. with the fries and all that. When you eat vegan, if you lean into process, whether you're eating vegan or not, if you're eating processed foods, right. if you're eating fast foods, if you're eating fried foods, which if you see on Instagram, a lot of people that are cooking vegan are you're cooking fine. fried this, fried that. Even if you fry mushrooms, it'd be better to saute those mushrooms, right. bake those mushrooms, or just eat them raw. But no, we want to deep fry them. That oil, oil, whether it's olive oil, sunflower seed oil, pumpkin seed oil, whatever it is, it is very fattening and high in calorie. So you got to know how you're eating, whether you're eating vegan or not. I know better than to go to study vegan every day. Right. If it's a, right. And it is a misconception that it just automatically, if you're eating vegan, you're Don't just eating, you're eating. He- Listen, I'd rather eat a slutty vegan chicken sandwich than, than a, a regular sandwich from another right. fast food restaurant. Right. Because right. then I'm right. not getting all of the antibiotics and chemicals right. that are put into animals. And, you know, at least there's more care when you're dealing right. with vegan food. And on top of that, no animals had to die for me to have, a, to have right. delicious food. And that's right. the biggest concern for somebody who's a true vegan is whether yeah, it's what because y'all, y'all, y'all care you, about you the, the creatures. Y'all care about the creatures. Okay, okay, let me do my, I'm going to do my very quick wind down. My, that was not my wind down. My wind down is fast. Or the babies or the, or the, you know, okay, so I'm okay. 
<laughs> okay, we do. I'm gonna do my very quick wind down. And then we got to get. I know we got some hot topics today. So my quick we wind do. down is, girl. Um, so I'm working on this book, as you guys uh, may know from the podcast. I'm working on this uh, biography of Megger and Marley Evers, which has been really exciting. Uh, we have this amazing research team. Um, Love it. And, uh, yeah, no, it's it's incredible. Um, Sean, Angela, and uh, Cam uh, is the, the basically the whole team that's all working together trying to do a lot, a lot of research. So. One of the researchers actually discovered James, found a contact for James Meredith's um, sister. And so I wound up wow. interviewing Jane, the James Meredith. And this is one of those things where it's very hard to place in time because um, what happened in the 1960s feels like it was so long ago, I think, to people that you forget. Some of these people are still walking around. They're still very much alive, yeah. well, and healthy and can talk to you. And it has been <clears> so <throat> incredible talking to people who were part of that era because this was like their story. You know, this it's not just Merle that's still here and around and able to talk about her story. James Meredith did too. And when I tell you, y'all, y'all go, y'all, y'all might want to just get this book just, just for his quotes. Because wow. this, this man right here, baby, when I tell you he is feisty, fiery, on fire, and has not lost a beat. He is sassy. And ready to he, okay, he is still sassy. He's on an eighty-two city, eighty-two county tour of Mississippi right now. Um, uh, you know, talking about his story. He's still an activist. He's still an advocate. So that was uh, that was my exciting thing that I did this weekend at talking to him, talking to this man who is that badass N word according to him. <laughs> I'm not gonna say the whole thing on the thing. He said he is not only a badass, and he he's that badass knuckle. <laughs> So when is so when is this book coming out? When can we um when will we be able when we when will we be able to see it? So the book is going to come out next year. It's 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 meant to come out um in coordination with the anniversary of the assassination of Maker Ever. So it's amazing. I'm very it's it's been a really exciting project. It's one of the reasons I'm so busy. But uh, that is my wind down. I got to talk to James Meredith himself, which is pretty freaking incredibly exciting. That's amazing. And this is book number what for you? This will be book number four. I love that you had to do the math. That you- <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because you know what's so crazy? Yeah, Jackie Reed, back in 2004, I wrote, uh, and I, I really do believe in dream boards. I really believe in them. I'm a big believer. And I wrote on my dream board that one of the things that I wanted to do was have my own show on MSNBC. And I wanted to have a best-selling book and be an author. Those were two things that I put on my dream board and those things actually happened. I think, I believe dream boards because you, you make yourself accountable by writing it down and, right. you know, and, and really visualizing what you want. And I believe in it. My, my dream board for, to the, for the, to the, to a very large extent, the stuff on there has happened. I love that. You yep. should put going vegan on there. <laughs> Let's go on to hot topics. Listen, I love animals. I, I love an animal if they cute. You know what I mean? If they're cute, I love them. And I don't want to eat them if they're, if they're cute. Even though chickens yes. aren't particularly cute, you know? They are. Birds are cute. Birds are cute. What don't start telling me hug? they can hug you. They <laughs> don't can. Start. I don't start. The chickens hugging. Don't start with the hugging chickens, I'm girl. Don't do it. Again our, on our uh, Instagram account. Y'all, go back hugging. to season one. Just, just go back to season one <laughs> of the podcast. That's all I'm going to say. Moving on. Hot top. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, 
experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. Let's talk about what's going on with Instacart. Now, remember, I told you about Instacart during the pandemic, and you yeah. were like, this is the be- best thing. Game changer. Save my life. Changer, right? Yep. Um, now, their workers, I don't know if they're officially boycotting, but they're talking about striking, and they're asking customers to delete the app because of pay disparity and so many issues within the company. It reeks of a lot of what was going on at Amazon, right? And Uber. The, and, and Uber, you know what I mean? The people who own the company are multi-billionaires, if not billionaires. And meanwhile, the people that are really making the things happen, getting our packages to us, yep. getting our food to us, you know, uh, well-selected and, and cared for and dropped off at your door in a moment's notice, they are the ones who are really not being treated well, which is so unfortunate to yeah. me. You know, I, it, it just bothers me so much that these companies get rich off of mistreating employees. Why is this so hard? But well, and I think, you know, if you look at American history, it has always been based on free and cheap labor, right? It well, was slavery. Slavery. It was free labor built this country because the greedy never want to also be the laborer, right? They never want to do the work. They want to pick their own shit. They wanted black people to do it and they wanted them to do it for free. And so they built an entire economy based on slavery and free labor. And when that dried up, the next round of that was cheap labor. You know, there, there's a reason, you know, we, we complain, well, why are all of these, you know, Mexicans coming here? Because, first of all, we took over Mexico. <laughs> so right, they were already here. But then we were like, oh, those Mexicans are here. Let's make them pick all the food. Let's make them be laborers. Why do we have Puerto Rico? Because they were like, oh, look at those brown people. Let's make them be in the sugar plantations and pay them a dollar a day. Like we keep on acquiring and adding on people of color. Why are there people from China here? And people complained about the Chinese in the, eight, you know, in the late 1800s and early 1900s. But why are they here? We brought them over here to build the railroads for dirt cheap. You know, cheap labor has always built America. You know, we used to have child labor and they fought to (coughs) to keep that. They wanted little kids to be in factories. The rich have always wanted to exploit people. And unfortunately, the new version of that is the gig economy. And while we, those of us who were able to work from home and had the privilege to work from home, were able to sit back and rely on other people to shop for us, uh, bring us things, do all our deliveries, deliver all our packages so we didn't have to go to the store. A lot of broke people ended up out there taking the risks of getting COVID to shop for us, to bring us our packages, to make sure we didn't have to leave our homes. Put their lives at risk. Put their lives at risk in a pandemic to make sure our lives were comfortable. That's why I tip like a motherfucker. I tip so high, I'm a 30% tipper. But that doesn't make a difference if you're not making that much money. And the tip is on the app, which means it's not even clear they get all the tip. So the reality is, you know, whether it's Uber, whether it's Lyft, whether it's Instacart, the owners of these companies are getting batshit rich and the actual workers are still poor. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And that's why I'm big into sustainability. And it is not a lot of people here sustainable. They think about saving the environment, you know, not, um, you know, exploiting animals. But it is also it also has to do with people and workplaces and has to do with labor that a lot of companies when, you know, being vegan definitely, you know, pushed me into reading labels more, but also investigating the companies that I use. And we've got to do that more. We have to know what's going on behind those packages that we get. And the news to me is doing a a good job of reporting on these kinds of things. But a lot of companies go unchecked because report um, workers are not willing to strike, right? Right. Are not willing to speak out. 
because they they can't afford it. They run the risk of losing their jobs. So we have to do our due diligence, not yes. just as consumers, but just as fellow humans mm-hmm. to make sure, you know, we may be able to not have to, you know, go and work for an Instacart or go work for an Amazon. Um, but there are a lot of our fellow humans are out there doing those things with, right. which are benefiting us. But we want to make sure that they're being treated right. And- so I encourage people to lean more into sustainable sustainability mm-hmm. when they are you you know utilizing goods and services or buying things because that is what that means it's not just about protecting the environment like i said it also focuses on labor practice yeah, on labor and also they, there should be a you know the minimum wage is still seven dollars and 25 cents an hour which is what it was yeah. when i got out of college a little bit mine was, i think it was 525 when i got out so it's a little bit more than it was when i got out of college it's really embarrassing as supposedly a top rate first world, very rich country that we treat people like crap because they work. And now everyone's like, how dare these people not want to go back to work um, because they got their, you know, their, their Biden bucks. Uh, it's a completely rational that people don't want to go back to work in a low paid job, back breaking labor, working in an Amazon warehouse or working behind the counter at the store where they get screamed at by anti-masker freaks who yell and scream at them and spit up in their faces and take the risk of giving, getting COVID or driving us around or delivering our shit. You know, no wonder people don't want to do it because you don't even get paid enough for it. So, you know, yeah. boo on Instacart. I am, I am going to take my ass to the store or start to find out if some of these stores have direct delivery because I'm not going to participate. Yeah. Yeah. That's we, and that's the thing. We have to say, yes, it is convenient. For us, I mean, when I told you about Instacart, you were like, where has this changed my life? life? You know what I mean? It's a game changer, but we have to say, I'm going to let, I'm going to go to the store myself. Yeah. Or I'm going to use another delivery service, but it's like, we all lean into, if if you're not using Instacart, what are you using? Amazon. You know what I mean? You're using Amazon because they just make life so much easier for us. So we have to to be careful about that. What else we got on Hot Topics? Do you want to talk about Sage Steele? Yes, now, we let me do. Ask you this, before we talk about her, is this a topic that would make it onto the readout? Sage Steele. Okay, so Sage Steele is a host on ESPN. I don't know what show she does, but she was recently pulled off the air for a rant about vaccine mandate mandates. She was against that. She made some comment about Barack Obama. I'm paraphrasing. Basically, you know, choosing to be black, you know, since he's mixed race like she is choosing to be black and say something like, but that's his choice. Let him do him as if she didn't approve of that choice. Oh, don't um, forget, she said that he that it, she doesn't understand why he did it because his dad, his black daddy wasn't around. Was, no. Yes, that his father was basically absent. So mm-hmm. why didn't he lean into the part of him? the white side of him, his mother and his grandparents, the people who actually raised him, this girl had the nerve to say. I don't know which part ESPN decided to pull her off the air for. Oh, um, I can tell you. I can tell you. She also <laughs> sang the praises of Candace Owens. She did. I heard. People say people called her the Candace Owens of ESPN and she leaned into that. She really enjoyed that. Um, she she was doing like, basically, and I'm paraphrasing that she respected Candace Owens or that's her girl yeah. or something like that, which I don't, yeah. You know, I've never met Sage Steele. I don't know if you have, but nope. Every time honestly, I, hear I didn't know who her. she was until this week. I had never heard of oh, her. Yeah. I don't watch a lot of e. I don't want to watch a lot of ESPN. Uh, I, I'm still angry about what they did to Jamel Hill, so yeah. I'm kind of like a f ESPN kind of person. But basically, so Sage Steele was on a podcast of a former, <clears throat> um, former Denver Bronco. Yeah, his um, name is Jay Cutler. It's called <laughs> Uncut the podcast. Cutler, who you want to go and listen to that episode. Right. And uh, Jay Cutler, of course, I, I'm a former Broncos fan. So whatever. <clears throat> Haven't been for a while. Um, but so she was on there. And here's what's interesting about Sage Deal. Um, she is somebody who there was a guy named Robert Klemko, who's a really, really interesting uh, follow. K-L-E-M-K-O. You should follow him on Twitter. He wrote a piece and he, he, he wrote a thread that I thought was fascinating. He said, it's very hard to comprehend what happened to Sage Steele, specifically how or why she sees herself as simultaneously colorblind and some sort of arbiter of blackness who can criticize Barack Obama for identifying as black, given her very public history with family history with racism. He goes on to note her father, who is black, integrated army football when he became the first black starter at West Point in 1966. His family endured housing discrimination before that. 
Sage's white grandparents excommunicated her white mother for six years for marrying a black man. Sage should know better than most that blackness in this country is defined by white people. It's a social construct. This is true. Guided by American legal frameworks. One drop wasn't some unwritten rule. It was the law. Uh, basically, there was it was a, there was a law against her parents even marrying not long before they did marry. So she is somebody whose own family has had to deal with racism and discrimination. And what she's basically doing is this performative thing where it says, well, if I made it despite discrimination, then discrimination isn't valid and it isn't real. And anyone else who faces it is basically just weak. And all of you other blacks need to just achieve like I did because somehow I magically made it without the benefit of the James Merediths, without the benefit of the Merle mm. Evers and the Megger Evers. Those people had nothing to do with me. My own merit got me where I am. It's the Clarence Thomas argument. Don't say I got here through affirmative action, except that you did, brother. And affirmative action was built on the backs of people who suffered and in some cases died to give black people who, by the way, were chattel, AI cattle in this country legally for hundreds of years, rights. Right. And if you think that other black people who believe that racism and discrimination are real are somehow weaklings and only you somehow magically made it without race ever being a factor, I challenge Sage Steele to walk through Bloomingdale's without her ID on from ESPN. Yeah. Well, here's the latest. So page six is reporting that she is expected to return to work next week. This was as of yesterday. They say a day hasn't been set yet. Um, but that this is a source of court, uh, that a source of page six um, say that she's coming back, um, that the there were multiple things, but they said that the biggest issue was or one of the biggest issues was her um, not being vaccinated. But I think that she got vaccinated. I may have, you know, on the podcast, man got COVID. she revealed that she got vaccinated due to ESPN's mandate. Mm-hmm. Um, out of one and out of wanting to keep her job. She said, I work for a company that mandates and I had until September 30th to get it done or I'm out. So looks like and she called it evil, week. but <clears throat> she called the vaccine evil. Right. And again, she criticized her company on a podcast. Jamel Hill got basically run out of ESPN for criticizing Donald Trump. But Sage Steele can criticize ESPN itself. She also said on the same Jay Cutler podcast that women who dress a certain way, basically, it's their own fault if they get sexually harassed, that we know what we're doing when we wear certain kinds of clothes, which is like the 1980s argument that they used to make about rape victims. She literally said that, which is probably the reason she won't end up getting that spot on The View that apparently she may want. But I don't see how The View, because they've been considering her along with other conservative hosts to be be one of the new, to to be the new host to replace Meghan McCain. I cannot see how a show that is about women and about women's thoughts would ever put her on after that. I mean, there's so many things that she said, but we're going to talk about this on the show tonight, her and some other people. This performative thing that Black conservatives feel they need to do to attack other Black people's experience being Black, that that's the way that they curry favor with white conservatives by basically attacking the Black experience. I have a problem with that. Yeah. And just for the record, she did apologize for her comments about Barack Obama, um, you know, and what she said about him and his father and all that kind of stuff. She did apologize for that. So we'll put that in there. So coming up, <clears throat> you guys, we have a very special guest, a legend coming to read this, read that. So keep it right here. So you guys, yes. our guest is the legend, the one, the only, the phenomenal Stephanie Mills is in the house. Hey, Stephanie Mills. Ah, legend. Man, look at her skin. She, you have on no makeup, Gorgeous. right? Look at her skin. I just have on, I just have on a little bit of uh, eye makeup, but I don't have on any uh, uh, foundation or anything. It's just lipstick. Yes. I have a little bit of a... Uh, 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 Pat McGrath, McGrath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. I love her. I love her too. Love her oh, too. Well, I follow you on Instagram, so I, I know I, you I, too, I, and I follow you too. I know. And when I saw that you follow me on Instagram, I did this dance right here. I did this right here. I did a whole <laughs> dance. I was like, oh my god, Stephanie Mills is following me on Instagram. <laughs> You're such a legend. You? How are you? I'm fabulous. I'm I'm fabulous. I couldn't be better. I'm 
just fabulous. I mean, yeah. How was it? There's so much to talk to you about, but yeah. I got to ask you about the experience with D-Nice. How was that? Oh, that was wonderful. Because I'm a Brooklyn girl from Beverly Hills. Yeah. And when he asked me to do it, I was like, I'm there. And I told my manager, I said, I don't care what we're doing. I want to do this with D-Nice. Ah. We made it happen. And I was, I was in heaven. And he wants me to do some more, but Patty LaBelle and I are going on tour next year. Come on. What? Now. Come on. Some of the dates that that he wanted me to do will already be in that city, but I'm going to try to do some of them with him. Oh, we're going to need to be okay. I'm, we're going, Jackie Reed. You know yeah, we're going to that, right? We're going to be in the front row. Show. Okay, we're all going to have to come to the. How ship. many? How many? How many cities, Joanne? Will we go to for? <laughs> we could be like remember the remember the people who used to follow the Grateful Dead. They would just follow them around from city to city. We yeah. might be the groupies yeah. that just follow you around, Miss yeah. Stephanie. And I'll get you hotel rooms and everything. It's you a girl's tour. Yeah. Yes, we're doing this. Yes. We'll get sleeping bags and just sleep outside your hotel room so you can have your privacy. We'll just yeah. sleep on the floor outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, Miss Stephanie Mills, I, so because we have you and it's such a valuable just to have our audience sort of know more, I have I've wanted to ask you this question. Do you remember the first time you ever sang in public? And what was that like? First time I ever sang in public was at my public school. I sang over the speaker. I would sing um, um, the national anthem. And, but the very, I, I, no, the very first time I sang was at Cornerstone Baptist Church. I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. And I sang a song called I Had a Talk with God, which was an old James Cleveland song. So yeah. that was the very first time. But I was used to, because I was used to going to church and my sister used to go to a, a sanctified church. But my mother and them went to a, a Baptist church. But, you know, she used to always be singing and the kids. And I'd be like, what about me? I was never afraid to sing. Mm-hmm. Did you um, always know that you wanted to be, that this was going to be your life, that you wanted to be a professional singer? No, I didn't. I just loved to sing. So when my family started taking me to auditions and things like that, then I realized, okay, you know, you can do this and you can make money at it and 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 do what you love to do. So this is all I've ever Done. I've never had to, uh, a real a real job. Yeah. How has this whole experience been for you the past you know year and a half, almost two years? The pandemic, lockdown, everything. How's it been for you as a performer? Oh well, being locked down is like crazy because I'm so used to traveling. So, but I enjoyed it because you learn who people really care about you. You learn who don't. Uh, write a book that I've been working on uh, mm-hmm. about my son with Down syndrome and raising a, a wonderful Down syndrome uh, young man who's going to A&T next year. Thank you. Yes. yes. HBCU. <laughs> so um, it, it, it was it was rough, especially with the Trump situation and and mm-hmm. dealing with all that nonsense. And then the brutality, the black brutality of the policeman. It was rough. It was. But I was outspoken during during those times because it was yes just, you were yes you were yeah awful. and you and you sing a lot at home don't you I, I sing every day yeah I sing every day because if I don't I will not be able to sing those songs live mm. well, you not missed day, and I got back into doing Maya back in the day I used to do Jane Fonda Jane Fonda had an incredible tape a challenger and I used to do that to stay in, in shape. Now I do it, but I can only do like half of it because that shit yeah. is hard. <laughs> wait, wait, Stephanie Mills, that tape where she, the song is, you can live life your own way. Oh yeah. Work hard at work. That one, that old, old tape that she had. <laughs> well, no, where she has the two guys that's doing the. Uh, oh, I don't know that one. Not the challenger. It's hard. But it keeps me in the best. It has kept me in the best shape. The best shape. Okay, we, I got to ask you more questions. You know, this is I'm, I'm like taking full advantage. What is okay, your okay. favorite? What is your favorite Stephanie Mills song? My favorite Stephanie. Oh my god, probably "Power of Love." Oh. Power of Love hmm. and uh, you and I. Oh, ah, yes. mm. uh, I love. And you have new music. I want to let everybody yes, know yes. you've been really oh, working on I new have, music. Uh, uh, let's do the right thing. I wrote that because I, and I had vowed never to write Jackie. We talked about this. I had vowed never to go back in the studio and record, but I was so inspired by Charles Randolph, Wright, Who's an incredible mm-hmm. director called me and wanted to use one of my songs. And I said, I'll write a song for your show. 
The show part didn't work out, but I extended the song and made it a song for me. And it was called Let's Do the Right Thing. And I wrote it with uh, Marcus uh, Malone. Yeah. Yeah. It's such great cool. music. It's so uplifting. It's just it's perfect for where we are as a country right now. Yes, because I you have to write music for what's going on if you're mm-hmm. a person. You know, there's so much yeah. going on. You know, Dave Grohl has a book out and he um he was doing an interview on CNN and he was talking about the fact that for him, music is like therapy. It's like kind of, you know, kind of is, is something he uses to like stay centered and stay sane. Do you see music that way for you? Is music therapeutic or is, or, or is it, or do you see it a different way? I see it as therapeutic for me to sing in, in, and emote my emotions and get that out. And being on stage is therapeutic for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. A young lady came to my show uh, we were just at Foxwoods and sh- her daughter passed away, but she said my music brought her through. And that was so touching mm. because you record music, but you never know who you're touching or if it's really touching somebody. Yeah. yeah. Now, how are you? Are, how, how do you feel about cell phones at concerts when you are performing? Oh. How do you feel about that? Have you embraced that or is that a no, no for you? I, I don't like it because the, the, the camera blinds you on stage. And mm. how are you going to enjoy the concert if you're filming? You're not going right. to enjoy it. That's yeah. distraction. I talk about that in my in my in my show. The computer, the s- social media, all of that is such a distraction. I, yeah. I remember going to a Prince concert, and he literally was like, "You are not watching this concert if you are listening through that phone." He got so mad. He told the audience because it was like, "Because it's true." It we do you think that we because of this little device have stopped? experiencing the world in a way like we're experiencing sometimes yeah. you think about it you're like walking down the street and you're like filming something it's like you really could just look at it right and instead right. you're like experiencing it through this little box i think that we miss so much by always being on our computers always being on our phones like there are times like on sundays i do nothing i turn my phone off i don't, if i if my phone is on i only talk to maybe one or two people uh mm-hmm. I don't let my son be on the computer, even though he loves his computer and his phone. That's just like his his Bible and his little man cave. But I think we miss so much not talking, not having dinner together. Mm. I like I like that. I like family. I like talking, but I don't want to talk to you on the phone all the time. I'd rather yeah. let's Zoom or something and yeah. have that. But I, I it's very distracted, especially at a show. Yeah, yeah, I want to talk about Farad for a minute. Your amazing son. You're such an incredible mother. Um, you mentioned that. I don't know. Do you like to say um, he has Down syndrome? Um, yes. Are you worried about him going off to school on his own, considering that? Well, let me tell you this. He is not going off to school on his own. He's not going to stay on campus. Mm. He's go and do classes. And then his teacher that's homeschooling him is going to go with him. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I he gets that experience. Yes. I want him to have that college experience, but I, he, I, I cannot have him there by himself. I, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't deal with it. I yeah. couldn't deal with it. And there's so much go crazy stuff going on, girl. Y'all mm-hmm. put stuff on my books. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, I tell you that. I wouldn't be one of those kind of mothers like, oh, I forgive you. Hell no. Uh-uh. No. Oh, I know. Can you imagine these people who are screaming? We, I, we were just we're doing a thing on the show tonight about these people who are screaming in the faces of parents and children who have their little masks on and everything. See, see, God knew when to make me a parent because okay. I would be the wrong mama to be screaming at me and my little kid. Mm-mm. Right. Right. See, and I don't experience that. I just didn't know who to mess with because mm-hmm. I don't experience that because my we wear our masks everywhere on the plane and everything. Mm-hmm. Always pray before I fly because there's so much craziness going on in the plane. I said, God, please don't let somebody crazy be on this flight. Mm-hmm. So we've been covered in that way, but people are really crazy. But how dare a Karen approach me about anything? Because I take my son in the woman's bathroom with me. I do not let him go in the men's bathroom by himself. Yeah. Aunt goes with him. We I- always did that. All our all our sons say we have two sons and they went right with me into the into the women's bathroom. I was never sending my my children into the bathroom alone. I'm with you no, on that. No, and I and I dare somebody to say something. Same. Oh, I know, I know they Same. would not. Okay, give us the backstory about how this this tour with Patty Labelle and yourself came together. Yes, Did you all please. call each other? Y'all kikiing on Zoom? How did come? How it It's really our managers, but I tell you this: I have been trying to do a tour with. Everybody, Anita, Shaka, for a long time. Ooh. It's very hard. 
to get us to do that. I don't know why it's just very hard to do. So I am very excited that Patty and I are doing that because she's a legend and 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 I just and you are too and you are. This is going to yeah, be one of the. You know, I just think that as black women, yes, we tour together and just give yes. our love, but it, it's it's so hard to do. Yeah, well, your I mean, schedules got to be crazy. Yeah, yeah. your, your I mean, schedules have both got to be crazy. Yeah, it's just crazy. So I'm glad we can do it. Me too. Where, I, where does where, no? Where does it launch? Where's the first city that it's going to be? You know yeah. what? I don't even. So Jackie know. and I can plan our travel. Yes, I will <laughs> let you know. Plan. I don't know. Okay. Okay. January, but I don't know where, girl. I know that I, I'm going. Like I'm doing Cancun, uh, Mil, uh, 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 Indianapolis, and then Greensboro back to back at the end. Of okay. The That's what I know. That's what I know. And so it I starts think we in January. Can make the sacrifice and go to Cancun, Jackie. I think that's a sacrifice that we can. I make. know. Yeah. We can make I work know. that out. I know. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited about that because I'll be there with the Isley Brothers. What? Oh, yeah. so this is separate wow. from the party tour. Yeah, oh yeah, because this is these are uh, shows that I've had to make up. Yeah, okay. off, you know. So these are shows, but this show just came in. They just offered me that uh, like two weeks ago. Can, speaking of that, can you talk a little bit about the way? Because I know that for the music industry, the music industry really suffered because of the pandemic. Last year was really rough for performers, for you know, for the arts. How did it impact you? And do you think that it's starting to come back? You know what? It really did not impact me in a negative way. Only mm-hmm. that I did not travel and I did not sing and go out and, and uh, perform. But I think it's coming back. People are being very responsible. The theaters that mm-hmm. I played, only the people that work there are backstage. And they're being very, very, very responsible. And I've been vaccinated. My son's been vaccinated. And we're just doing everything because we were going out of the country again in um, uh, Cabo, and I wasn't going to take my son out of the country and not have him vaccinated because I was against the vaccination yep. first. But then I was like, no, I got to be a responsible. What made you, what we were to get vaccinated? Because we weren't very nervous about we it. We were at not first, at for it at first, but we changed our minds. Yes. I was just very nervous about it. And and what's his name? Dr. Uh, Fauci. Fauci. He, he was wishy-washy. And then he was talking all that mess with with uh, Donald Trump, and he wasn't being honest. I didn't feel like they were being honest and really telling us what was going on. Yeah. I felt like they were doing what Donald Trump wanted them to do, and that's yeah. what I didn't like. But he was bullying them, and I think, right, and when I was nervous, it was, he He's was right, he was bullying them, yeah, and it's like he, he would is. they would be there, and you could see that they were not able to say what was really on their minds, oh, and yes. you're absolutely right. It was yes. scary. And I, and I just read uh, where uh, a young lady's writing a book uh, I think it was his press agent or... Oh, Stephanie Grisham. And she said being in the White House with them was like being with the Beverly Hillbillies. Yes, Ooh. she did. Oh, she, she did. She said it was like a dumpster fire inside of a dumpster fire rolling down the street and banging into another dumpster fire or something like that. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if that was, that was... I don't even know who Trump would be amongst the Clampins. I wouldn't want to give him the credit to be Jed because Jed was smart. <laughs> he would be Jethro. <laughs> he could be Jethro. <laughs> he was Jethro. Maybe the dog. Jethro. Maybe the dog. <laughs> Stephanie Mills, uh, we have a hard out today because Miss Joanne has to get to her show, but it you have to come back. You have been open yes. invitation. Oh, yes. Anytime. Yes. Thank you. And, and Miss Stephanie, when we're in the front acting an absolute fool at your shows, please just, never- just know we're not really <laughs> crazy. We yeah. just love you. And we it's love all. what you're gonna do with I'm crazy. That's my I just my life is made right now. We gotta do a whole <laughs> girl thing on your on your other show, Joy. We're doing it. It's happening. I'm going to get in touch. It's happening. I, yes, I, you, I, me, and and Jackie. We gotta do a yes, whole. Yes, the three of us. Talk about, talk about life. Talk about men. Talk about everything. Talk about all this Botox people are doing and oh, all that. I love it. Listen, we'd have and to do that. We'd have to do and, a special and listen, episode. And talk about how beautiful it is to be black and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so much. Yes. Fabulous. Yes. yes, we will do that. We're going to make that happen, Stephanie. Oh, Will's. yes. We got to do it. Happen. Maybe like a Christmas. We love you. That's I love you, idea. too. I love, love you. Thank you for having me. Love you so much. Be Thank safe. you so much. And if you ever need me, just call me. Jackie knows. 
Yes. Ooh. Call me. I, I, I definitely will. <laughs> okay. I definitely will. I love you, love guys. You. Stay safe. Love you. Okay. Bye. 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 Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't you love her? Legend. Legend. Okay. I cannot believe we just talked to Stephanie Mills. Okay. I'm going to lose my mind. Y'all, thank you for being here on the podcast today. I'm about to lose my mind. I cannot believe we just talked to Stephanie Mills. Cannot. I am a huge fan. I'm a, one of my favorite singers of all time. I think I might know all of her songs. All She's of amazing. Them. Well, we will have to have her back and have her guest co-host for the whole show so we can just yes. do hot topics. Because she is a great guest. Done. She's great. All Done. right, I know you got to go. This gotta was amazing. Go. What yes. are you going to do for you this weekend? Sleep. What are you going to do? <laughs> Visit with family and friends. Boom! <laughs> Love y'all. Don't we'll forget to catch us. We'll watch you on the readout every and, night. And vegansexycool.com, vegansexycool on Instagram. Do it, do it. Be vegan or not be vegan. Just enjoy Jackie Reed. Love y'all. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, for advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.